Let's jump in uh, right away, playing politics with the Star Tribune editorial board. John Rash is here each week, joined by DJ Tice. Doug is here quite frequently. Gentlemen, it is a pleasure. Yesterday, the president of the United States, uh, maybe his most vigorous defense of voting rights, including suggesting on voting rights specifically, not in total, but he would be willing to accept a pretty dramatic and historical change on the filibuster. Mitch McConnell, for about 20 minutes starting around noon, just excoriated President of the United States, called him unpresidential, said he didn't recognize the man, said it's false hysteria, and it falls to the Senate to stop what the president and the Democrats are proposing on a federal voting rights bill, which John and Doug, we both know, is to counter what has passed in many states in light of President Trump's false and baseless claims that the election was stolen from him. John, what is your reaction to how the last 24 hours have played out? And then, Doug, you chime in right after. Well, Senator McConnell saying that about President Biden is quite striking, especially because even though they were on opposite sides of the aisle, by all accounts, they and so many other senators who worked with then-Senator Biden, including especially Lindsey Graham, who testified about his character at one point, had a really good, comfortable relationship with him. So to go to the Senate floor and excoriate him like this is quite striking, doesn't bode well for the next year of necessary legislative action and just shows how deep the divide is between leaders and often followers of the two parties on a, such a fundamental issue of elections, which after all are democracy's DNA. So people feel very passionately in either direction about this. If many of these bills that have been passed by generally Republican state legislatures and signed by generally Republican governors are a reflection of President Trump's claims, those have been proven to be a lie. Regardless of anyone's politics, the claims that he has have not borne out to be the truth. And that was confirmed by no less than another Senate colleague, Mike Rounds, a Republican Mm -hmm. of South Dakota, quite conservative, who said flat out on Sunday, President Trump did not win the election and we should not continue with this. If anything, it's going to discourage our own voters. So um, I think that uh, this is not certainly the last we're going to hear about this. Yeah, I, you know, I have a little bit of a different reaction. I, I am deeply disturbed by the playing with fire that I think is going on 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 all sides, at least among the uh, leadership with you know this apocalyptic, hysterical, uh, hateful rhetoric. Uh, is talk of civil war and the death of democracy. And, uh, you know, I think that, that we are running some great risks in the country, not only of talking ourselves into some kind of major conflagration, but there are fragile minds among us listening to this. And I fear that terrible things are going to happen if this uh, if this continues. I just think we all need to calm down. You know, this debate, frankly, seems to me a classic case of the ferocity of the debate uh, being completely out of balance with the seriousness of the issues. The fact is, research is very clear. We have very little fraud 
in our elections, and we have very little voter suppression. Uh, you know, you talked about this being a response Republicans have done state by state, which is true, but that in turn is a response to a whole raft of liberalizations of in voting and early voting and same-day registration, all of which came into play last year in many places for the first time. Even in Minnesota, we never had excuse-free uh, absentee voting until 2014. That's seven years ago. Did we not have democracy before that? You can't have democracy without uh, same-day registration and early voting for a month and drive-through voting and, and all the rest of it. You know, we're getting to the point where you can't disagree about anything without being a racist and a Nazi uh, and, and it, with people starting to talk about civil war. And it, we just got to stop it. I, I agree. And, and it, I, I agree. Yeah. And I include the media in that. Yeah, I agree 10,000 percent with what down. you said. So, but let, so let's talk about some of the actual policy points, because I look at some states, Doug, and I'll go you first. And then, John, you jump in. I look at what some of the states have done. I think, come on, that looks like suppression. I look at what other states have done. And I say I could find liberal states where it's about the same. And there's such a generalization about it. At the same time, I hear. From Republicans on voting by mail or voting early and acting like those votes don't matter and we haven't done this before. So sadly, it's typical of everything now, Doug, of we can't have anything where there's compromise. We can't find some level of agreement. So when you look at what's happening in the states, in your view, do you think the federal government should play any part in reacting to this. Obviously, we've had voting rights at key points in our country's history in reaction to changes that were pushed more by Democrats before this and now clearly pushed more by Republicans. In your ideal world, DJ, what should the Senate, House, and President pass, if anything, in reaction to the last five, six years? Well, you know, it's, it, it's a complex array of, of issues. I don't have any objection to the, the uh, federal policy intervening in, in certain areas where federal elections are concerned and, and requiring certain things, prohibiting uh, other things. And, you know, we could have a debate uh, case by case or issue by issue and work those things out. But, you know, you talk about in my ideal world, well, the way democracy actually works is nobody gets their ideal world. What we do yeah. is sit down and figure out what we can agree on, we can uh, compromise on, and what we just have to leave alone. You know, it wasn't very long ago and where elections in particular were concerned, there was a, a doctrine that major changes had to be bipartisan. I can remember Mark Dayton vetoing a bill that I don't remember what the detail was, but it, it changed something about elections in some significant way. And it was a Democratic bill, but he vetoed it because it didn't have enough Republican support. And the point is, this is the way you undermine confidence in elections by one party or the other ramming through changes in how we run elections. Uh, we, we've got to go back to, to that principle 
at both state and federal levels that if we're going to make changes, they need to be bipartisan and they should not be done in the courts. Now, we had a pandemic, and that's some of what happened in 2020, but we had courts transforming, and some of that happened in Minnesota, transforming the rules of elections without the legislature even getting involved. And, of course, that creates concerns. Go ahead, John. Well, I certainly think that my colleague DJ brings up several salient points, including the fact that it isn't inappropriate that the federal government, the legislature in Congress, House and Senate would get involved because many of the elections have a federal component to it. Uh, And DJ also appropriately brings up the point that many of these changes certainly have been within relatively recent times, greatly accelerated during the pandemic for obviously necessity, necessary health reasons. I do think that one of the issues we're, we're kind of centering this conversation a bit on actual voting one of the dynamics that's happened is our bills in some states, some that have advanced very deeply in, in the legislatures and with the governors of the that might change how the uh, electors themselves could, in effect, you know, be changed if if a state doesn't agree in effect with what happened. You know, here you're getting into individuals and, and more arcane laws, but there's been a real big push and. Quite compellingly, Ezra Klein, who is a liberal columnist for the New York Times, with a piece a couple of days ago, in effect saying Steve Bannon is on to something. And Steve Bannon has been pushing for Republicans to get much more deeply involved at the very lower local and state levels where the machinations of this whole process happen. Democrats haven't gotten nearly as aggressive in chasing after those seats, but that's where some of the disputes may happen in the 2024 election, as an example. Let me uh, switch here to President Trump, who seemingly always is in the news, even though he's not the president. Um, And I could pick out like three topics (laughs) where he's been in the news in the last 24 hours. But let me pick this one. You know, over the last month or so, going back to uh, one of his last appearances with Bill O'Reilly, when they were traveling the country, that's when he said, I'm boosted, and I encourage everyone to get boosted. In that case, there was some booing, not as much as other places where he touted uh, the vaccines. And then he would backpedal very quickly and say, hey, it's still your call. And he's done a couple of interviews. In the last 24 hours, he did an interview where he called politicians, John, gutless if they will not announce if they're boosted or not. And it is clear for any of us who pay attention to politics, he is pointing his finger at one man, the governor of Florida, Governor DeSantis, who, if he would run against Donald Trump, probably at this point, most of his view would be his strongest competitor. What does that say about Donald Trump and DeSantis over the next year or so? that he's nervous about him and he realizes he would be his strongest competitor. And Governor DeSantis brings some of the same opinions, some of the same policies and some of the same attitude, but without the endless controversy that President Trump has been involved in throughout his entire adult public life. And so he is probably rightfully concerned if he's going to run again, that some conservatives may rally 
around Governor DeSantis as a more saleable, a more electable Republican leader and candidate for president. I don't disagree with him that, you know, he's in effect saying, I answer the questions, others should answer them as well. And, you know, so yes, some of this is political. Some of it has to do, you know, with health policy and, and with transparency. And, and so, you know, I think that one of the great losses of this entire pandemic era is if President Trump, who whose administration did some terrific work with Operation Warp Speed and in getting the process of getting the vaccines out there, hadn't continued to tell his supporters, to tell everyone who would listen how important it is to get vaccinated. And he really hasn't done that until very recently. How about this back and forth, uh, DJ? It could be very interesting to watch. I'm sorry, you're talking about the DeSantis um, Trump? Yeah, Trump uh, on COVID and how the Trump base, where there's a fair amount who are not vaccinated, not boosted, how they might react to the guy they've supported so much. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I think John covered it very well. I I think it's a very good sign uh, for the country as a whole that Trump has things to uh, be nervous about, uh, including, uh, you know, hanging on to his to his own base and that there are other people who can appeal to that uh, to that constituency and perhaps a broader constituency. I don't know if that's DeSantis or not, but it's a little bit like the Yunkin success in in Virginia, somebody who, you know, got a lot of of, of Trumpian policy approaches, but a but a very different style, very different tone, uh, and in success without really hitching himself to to the you know the Trump uh, thing. Uh, and uh, I think the more that that becomes a possible going forward, the better the prospect that, that we won't have to deal with another Trump. I, I still wouldn't bet on it, but DJ, I got to jump in. Your phone is breaking up, and we're up against the clock. Also, gentlemen, as always, thank you so much. Playing politics with the Star Tribune editorial board.